0: again, but uh, Abundant Ministries, we, uh, we ordained. Pastor Becky and I are ordained through here and, and Sarah and Edward R, and Sarah and uh, Marco are ordained through here and so um, we want to uh, lay our hands on Isaac and ordain him this morning. I want to read from Acts, the 13th chapter. And it says, now in the church, which was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was also called Niger, Lucas, the syrians that's a tough one to say. It says, as they were ministering to the Lord, fasting the Holy Spirit said now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them then having fasted and prayed they laid hands on them and they sent them away so it's kind of our example that we use for ordination notice what it says it says that when an individual is ordained, they're set apart for that which God has called them to or what they're already operating in. And that's what Isaac has been doing. After graduation, he's been part of the church over in, uh, in Harlan. And uh, he's been their associate pastor and youth minister there for the last two years. So now we're setting it apart for the call to which God has truly placed upon his life. And that's the pastor. And for the present time coming up, it'll be pastoring abundant life ministries. So, as if, if I can have you come up here and. Pastor Becky, if you come, you can face me, come join me. And if I can have the elders come up and. Uh, Any other ministers that are here that would like to come forward, Pastor Harold, if you'd like to, as part of the Presbyterian, as we lay hands upon him and set him apart for the ministry to which God has called him. Extend your faith this way. Father God, we thank you for Isaac. We thank you for the call upon his life. And Father, as the Presbytery of Abundant Life Ministries, we separate him, we set him aside, set him apart the call which you've called him. Father, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is upon him to empower him to fulfill this call. And so, Father, we agree with him and as we set him apart, we believe that the Holy Spirit will equip him and continue to equip him for every task that you set before him. which is here within the walls of this church but beyond that you would use him to fulfill your plan and your purpose upon this earth and so Father we thank you for him we lay our hands upon him we call him anointed blessed to fulfill the call that you've placed upon him and we declare it to be so in the mighty name of Jesus We thank you, Father, for him and for his obedience to follow you. Now, Father, we set him in that position to which you've called him. In the mighty name of Jesus.
1: Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that he has wisdom beyond his years. It's a wisdom that you have placed in him thank you that he has understanding of your word. I thank you that you are, are strengthening by your spirit, that you will enlighten him, Holy Spirit, that you will walk with him and beside him, that you'll lead him into all truths. I thank you for the giftings that are in him that are being stirred up even now, for a mighty work that you have for him to do in this place. Father, we thank you for him. We thank you for your abundance towards Abundant Life Ministries. We thank you that you have sent him to us, and that he was um, willing to be obedient to the call that he placed on his life for this place. So we just uh, believe that he is the one that was sent, and we just receive him. In Jesus' name.
2: in heaven, we're so thankful for rising, thankful for the anointing upon his life. I pray, Lord, that in this community you'll find favor. And Lord, that the community will know that the Holy Spirit is dwelling in this place. Fill this church with people, praising your holy name. And I pray as he goes into the hospital, Lord, there'll be a special anointing upon him as he prays for those who are ill. Bless him, Lord, as he has funeral services and weddings and all the things that are involved in pastoring. May his heart be tender. May it be loving and caring. But most importantly, may it be anointed by your spirit and by your power. Lord, we thank you for the future. We thank you, Lord, for the promise that you've given us. That you're going to bless this. Bless this church, bless this wonderful man. We ask in your name, amen.
0: So Father, we anoint him, we ordain him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now you understand why I don't have Harold pray very often. Hallelujah. Mighty man of God. Hallelujah. Well, the children excuse to go out to practice or whatever they're doing out there. As they're going, we're going to continue our worship by receiving tithes and offerings and so. If you need an envelope, raise your hand. The ushers will get an envelope to you. The Bible simply says, given it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give unto your bosoms. So as we act in obedience to God's word, He blesses us abundantly, above and beyond what we could ever think, dream, or imagine. He's so faithful. So, ushers, if you come forward, let's pray and let's receive our tithes and offerings this morning. Father God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have today to give, and we give in faith, knowing that you supply every one of our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And so, Father, as we give in faith, we know that we receive the increase so that we might have more to give into your kingdom. That not only are our needs met, but you supply us abundantly so that we can meet the needs of others. And so just as the video this morning, as we saw of Pastor Kip, we thank you, Father, that you bless us so abundantly that we can be a part of that. And so as we give today, we give in faith in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's receive the offering. what I want to share with you today I want to talk with you about trusting in the promises you know God has made many promises available to us and the promises are there but What's important in our part is how we respond to those promises. And so this morning that's basically what I want to f- focus on is how we, uh, we appropriate those promises that have already been made available to us by faith. You know, because obviously the answer that we would give is we do it by faith. But what are, the, what are the strategies? What are the things that are involved in that? Because I don't want to just know about the promises. I want to experience the victory. I want to have success in my life. And I know for me to have success in life is going to be based upon the promises. You say, well, Pastor Dave, it's <clears throat> getting a little late for you. Well, guess what? It's never too late. As long as we're still sucking air, God's desire for us is for us to experience the abundance and the blessings that he's made available to us. But you know, there's a battle that we're in. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to convince us that we don't qualify for the blessings. That it may be available, it may be there for everybody else. But we don't really qualify. But what I want you to know today is that we do qualify. The victory is ours uh, because of Jesus. And so, Wednesday night, we've been talking about resting in him, but the rest that we have in God is an active rest. It's not just sitting back and doing nothing. You know, our football team, the Jefferson Rams, yeah, Green County Rams, excuse me. <laughs> you know, but they're very successful. And, uh, you know, I have a feeling because of the record and so forth, um, they realized that they were pretty good. But you know what? They didn't sit back on that. They still had to go out, they had to take the field on Friday night, and they had to put effort into it. And so that's how it is with Christ Jesus. The difference is, is they had to get the victory. The difference is we already have the victory because of what Jesus has done for us. But to appropriate that victory in our life, there's some activity, there's some actions, there's some things that you and I need to do. Because I want the blessings of God in my life. And so to strengthen our faith, we must remember what God tells us And keep it in our hearts. number one thing the enemy wants to do is he wants to steal it. He wants to take it from us. In Proverbs 4, we have a passage we're all very familiar with. But in the 20th verse, it says, My son, and again, that son there isn't just talking about male. It doesn't have a gender. It's talking about God's male and female sons. We're all sons of God. Good opportunity for you women to say Amen. But we're all, we're all sons of God. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my saying. You know, So it gives the impression that you're, you're leaning forward, you're inclining. Why? Because you want to hear what that word has to say. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them, and health to all the flesh. And so that's where our victory comes from. But where does it come from? It comes from putting that word in front of us by dwelling upon that word. So I'm going to talk about several different things that we need to apply in our life to appropriate what God has truly done for us. The first thing to do to win in spiritual battle And spiritual battle is locate the promise and believe the word. And how do you believe the word if you don't know that it's there? How do you appropriate a promise that you aren't aware that it's even available to you? You know, I was born again, but I didn't realize that Jesus was my healer. I was born again, but I didn't realize he was my provider. I was born again, but I didn't realize that he had come and to set me free from all the bondages that were in my life. I didn't realize that because I wasn't aware of that because I hadn't been taught that. But you know, even after I was born again, I applied the Word of God, I took the Word of God, I studied the Word of God, and I found out what Jesus had made available to me. And you know, the interesting thing about it is, I'm still finding out. There may not be any... uh, uh, I I mean, I I feel like I have at least some kind of an understanding of a lot of things. But you know, at the same time, I'm gaining greater insight and understanding of the truth that I already know. Yes, there's new things that are coming forth because I believe the revelation of God is perpetual. That means He opens up things in the Scriptures that we haven't seen before. It's never going to be contrary to the Word of God. It's always going to agree with the Word. But God still wants to reveal things to us today. And we need to be open. And so we find it in our heart. And he says that's where we need to keep it. Because the enemy wants to get us to that place where we begin to doubt it. In 2 Peter, 1st chapter and 3rd and 4th verse, it says, As his divine power has given to us all things. I about to say all things? I like all things. Not a few things. His divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. If it pertains to life and it pertains to being godly, he's given it to you already. Through the knowledge, but see we've got to be aware of it. We've got to know it. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, I like it that they're not just great promises, they're exceedingly great. I mean, that means it's beyond what you can comprehend in your own pea brain. Exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, through what? These exceedingly great and precious promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through faith, or through lust. You know, <clears throat> ever notice how oftentimes what we emphasize, what we amplified, amplify is the, the corruption in the world? And then we go around trying to figure out how we're going to overcome the corruption that's in the world. He's given us the way to overcome the corruption that's in the world. Through putting your faith in the promise of what Jesus has done for you. And so what we do, what do we do? We, we focus on Jesus and on his promises and on what he's done rather than the corruption that's in the world. You know, place before each and every one of us. If you've got satellite, if you've got dish, if you've got cable, if you've got a TV. You know, what's available to you? You can choose. Now, people are probably going to throw things at me, but You can choose Fox, or you can choose the Christian Broadcast Network. You can choose to what Fox has to say. Now, I watch Fox once in a while to get update on things. Let me tell you something. There ain't very much positive there. There isn't a whole lot there that's going to be building up the kingdom of God. There isn't a whole lot there that's going to give you a whole lot of hope in your life. But I'll tell you something, you focus on what Jesus has done for you, and all of a sudden what they're saying on Fox, on CNN, on, on Channel 5, 8, 13, or 17, doesn't really matter a whole lot, because with the promises of God override all of that. But where are all those things out there for? It's to steal it from your heart. So get you to focus on the negative rather than the positive. To focus on what you can't do rather than what God says you can do. It doesn't look at the possibilities, it looks at the impossibilities. And so we need to focus on Him. And so the second way is to respond in faith is simply, simply believing. You know, we can give all kinds of definitions. I've taught series on faith. But ultimately, it's simple. We trust Jesus. We trust the promises that he's given us in his word. And when we do that, we begin to walk in the victory that's ours. In John 1, you're all familiar with these verses. John 1, 1 and then John 1, 14. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so that word of God is dwelling among us. And we behold his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full. Full. Jesus is full of it. And we are his temple. We have his spirit. That means we're full of it. So what are we full of? Grace and truth. You're full of grace and truth. But you know what? You're not able to appropriate that grace and truth if we don't know knowledge, if we don't know what He's truly done for each and every one of us. The Word of God can bring into manifestation all of His promises. Not just a portion of them. He can bring in all of them. And so the third strategy is to settle in our hearts that the promise we chose to stand on to deal with the problem is God's will for us. You know, it's one thing to know that God can. It's another thing to know that God will. You know, as a a parent, as a grandparent, You know, I don't want my children my grandchildren to just think that I can't, but I won't. I want them to realize that I can, and I will. Well, what's the motivation behind that? It's love. It's the love that God has for us. He says he'll withhold no good thing from us. And that means he can, but not only that he can, but he will, because he wants us to experience All that he has. His will is his word. And so when you read the word of God, and you you see a promise in the word of God. That's God's will for you. His will for you. Let me read a couple of passages concerning that. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, that's what he's saying to us, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. All things that are within the grace that he's provided for us is possible. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, it says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, The mountain is any hindrance in your life. Be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Believes that those things he says will be done He'll have whatever he says. We can speak to the mountain, the difficulty, the problem that rises up in our lives. He says we can speak to it and it's got to get out of the way. It can't continue to hinder us and stand in the way. In Matthew 17, 20, these are words of Jesus. Like I said a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> you know, I, I love the Apostle Paul and Peter. When I see their words in Scripture, it gets my attention. But you know what? Compared to Jesus, when Jesus says something, we need to listen. Because I don't believe he wasted his breath. He had something to say that was important for us, that was life-changing for us. So in Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, because of your unbelief, What kept them from from being victorious? Why did they get into fear? Why did they have to turn to him because there was a storm? Why did they, did fear grip them? He said, it's because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you had faith as a mustard seed, you would say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Can I emphasize nothing? You know, because we usually emphasize the something that will hinder us, that will keep us. We must firmly trust in God's promises that we've been given to overcome the problem. It's the promise that overcomes the problem. Now, he may give us direction as to something that we need to do. But the problem is solved through the promise. My actions may follow, but it's solved through him. In Mark, the first chapter, in the 40th verse, we have this leper that came to Jesus. And I want you to listen very closely to these words. And it says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, So we might say he's begging him, pleading with him. And he says, if you are willing, you can make me well. You know what's interesting about this leper? He knew that Jesus could make him well. He just wasn't sure he would. And I believe in Christendom today. That's where many folk are. They know that God can. They know that Jesus will. Or, or Jesus can. But will he? We have to have confidence not only that he can, but he will. And we have the assurance that he wills because he, he to- tells us over and over and over again that he will. Here we have the fourth verse that we're going through. That talks about how Jesus said, I will. The only prerequisite to that is, well, I guess there's two. Number one, that we know that it's available. And number two, that we believe. And so he says to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing. Do you realize that that is what he's saying to each and every one of us? I am willing. When you see a promise in God's word, behind that promise are the words of Jesus that are saying, I am willing. And he says, I am willing. Be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. And so this was the individual that nobody would touch. Nobody would have anything to do with. You know, because of the time change. Uh, they haven't changed everything on our programming. And so uh, I didn't hear my normal message that I hear as I'm having my coffee on Sunday morning. Usually I listen to Joel Olstein, But this morning I listened to John Hagee. And John Hagee had some good things to say and he's talking about the very thing that we're talking about here this morning. How God is willing, how he's paid the price and how we shouldn't doubt him any longer. We ought to have confidence in him that he's going to be true to his word. That his answer to you if you're sick is yes. Healing belongs to you. If you have lack, yes. I want to provide that. If you have bondage in your life, yes. I want you free of that. That's what Jesus wants to work in each of our lives. And we just simply have to respond to him in the positive. In John 14, 13 and 14, it says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And so the fourth way or the fourth thing that we need to know is we fight the enemy by asking God for what we want according to his word. Notice the only barriers is that it's according to his word, according to the promise. There's nothing wrong with asking. We need to ask. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Because our asking indicate, indicates, it applies, it, it says, I trust you. Therefore, I'm asking you because I believe that you're going to give me what I ask for. We've been given God's authority. He says, ask in his name and we shall receive it. But then it says anything. Anything. Do you realize that that word anything is one of the strongest words that you can find in the English language? Ask anything. And of course, it's within the promises that he's given him. You know, I can ask God to equip me to take your appendix out. But I would recommend to you that you wouldn't allow that unless I get about eight years of training on the inside, and that ain't going to happen, so don't ask me. Now, I do understand in a, in a situation that is absolutely impossible, God can intervene, and He can do things through individuals that He could never do, would never do any other time. But by and large, I'm saying it's within the parameters of what God's Word has promised us. In Joshua 1.8, it says, this book of the law, it shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it. What? The book of the law, the word of God. Day and night, that you may observe to do according to what is written therein. For then, you will make your way prosperous, and then, you'll have good success. I want good success in my life. And that good success comes as I meditate, as I focus upon the Word of God, as I allow it to be big on the inside of me. And here we have the fifth strategy, is to meditate daily on the promises that cover the situation. So if you're going through something right now, You need to have the promises of God in front of you and you need to focus on those promises. You need to meditate on those promises so that they become bigger and bigger on the inside of you. God has done everything that needed to be done for a victory. Our part is to stand on the promise. And when we've done all to stand, what are we supposed to do? Stand therefore. Because there's no other place to go. We continue to stand upon the promises that he's given us in his word. Let me read that same passage out of the Amplified. This book of the law shall not depart out of you, out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may observe to do according to what is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you shall deal wisely and have good success. You know what? The kids are out of here, so I can say this. There's a lot of stupid people in this world. There are. I mean, you ever, I mean, the, the world is, it's, it's got like stupidity gone to seed and producing and harvest. But you know what? There's something that'll overcome it. Wisdom. And he's given us Wisdom. So that we can have good success, so that we don't have to fall into the same rut that this world is in. We can come out of this rut. We can have success where others are experiencing failure. We need to be constant, we need to be consistent in our walk with God. We don't try Christianity. Christianity isn't something you try. Christianity is something you live. Christianity isn't a religion. Christianity is a lifestyle. It's how we live our life. We are not part of the Christian faith. We are Christians. That's who we are. That's our identity. In Hebrews 6.12 it says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience, through faith and patience, inherit the promise. Here's the sixth thing, the sixth way. The sixth way is to understand that nothing in God's kingdom operates without faith, love, and hope and patience. Faith, love, and patience. You, you'll find as you read the scriptures, there's, there's a couple of words that seem to go hand in hand with one another. Faith and love. But also faith and patience. Because the reason that patience is so important is that patience is simply prolonged faith. When we don't see the immediate manifestation what patience does it allows us to continue to stand continue to believe that's where hope gives hope to gives gives faith to hope we continue on no matter what the circumstances may be around it, around us it is being constantly consistently the same regardless of what happens. You know it's easy to to proclaim and say I live by faith when when you pray something and you see immediate result. But you know it's a little more difficult when you don't see it right away. When you gotta continue to stand. You know somebody asked Jerry Seville one time about faith and he says how long do I have to stand? And he says probably just a little bit longer than you think you should. In other words, we don't ever quit. We continue to stand. Why? Because the promise is true. In James 1, 2 through 4, it says, My brethren counted... (laughs) Why anybody would put this in there? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You know, when we have to endure a little bit, we oftentimes look at it a negative, rather than look at it as a lesson learned. Because why does Our faith need to be tested. Why does it need to be prolonged at times? Because there's times in our life when we don't see the immediate result. And when we look back to those times and realize, no, I didn't see it immediately, but you know what? God wasn't finished yet. And God's going to complete that which He begun. And even though I don't see the fulfillment of it yet, I know that God is faithful and true. And He will accomplish what He's begun in my life, Hebrews 11, or excuse me, Hebrews 10:36, it says, "For you have need of endurance." We need endurance. We need to recognize that there's difficulties that are going to come my way. But you know what? I'm not going to give up. Everybody may fall by the wayside, but as for me and my house, we're going to continue to stand. We're going to continue to walk on. For you have need of endurance so that after you've done all, done the will of God, you may receive the promise. What does that mean? When you've done everything you know to do, you continue to stand. Why? Because God is going to be faithful and true to his promise. You see, it's not about you. That's where we get into problems. Problems we begin to think it's about me. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. And that's why we keep our focus on Him. Because it's not about what I'm going through. It's about what He's going to do. And so that's where we keep our focus. We look to Him, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We can also confess the promises and use our authority to speak things into existence. Romans 10, 9, it says that if you've confessed with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's number seven. Turn the promise into a confession. You know, we use that verse concerning salvation to pray the prayer. But you know what? Our day of salvation is the day that we see a promise manifest in our life. There's people that need salvation in their physical body. They need healing. I'm not talking about eternal life here. That's forever settled. But you know what? Today is your day of salvation if you need healing. Because Jesus is your healer. Today is your day of salvation if you need provision. Because he'll provide all your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Today is your day of salvation if you need deliverance. Because Jesus of Nazareth went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Jesus is your salvation. Jesus was my salvation on the day that I received him as my Lord and Savior. But Jesus continues to be my salvation today. Because I can trust him in every circumstance, in every self- situation that I encounter. In 1 Timothy 6.12, it says, fight the good fight of faith. Do you know what the good fight is? It's the fight that you win. And that means the good fight of faith is to be every fight that we encounter concerning the attack that's coming against our life. We live it victorious. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on the eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Confess the good confession. What's the good confession? I win. Some of your translations, if you read in the King James Version, it says profession. Your profession may be how you get your, maybe your vocation. But what he's talking about here is confession. What we speak out of our mouth and what we speak out of our mouth ought to line up with what God's word says. Psalms 107.2, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Oh, well, you know, I think I ought to be humble and I shouldn't say that. No, grow up. You are being humble. You're declaring what Jesus has done for you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And so why do I declare I am the redeemed of the Lord? Because Jesus redeemed me from the hand of the enemy. And everything that he intended for my evil, God took it and he turned it around for my good. Psalms 103, 19 through 20, it says, And the Lord has established his throne in heaven, And his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you as angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. So why do we need to verbalize it? This is the eighth point. We win at spiritual battles is to give Vic voice to the promise and employ angelic forces. When we begin to speak out the word of God, I believe the angels are deployed for our benefit to assist us in the battle. And we win. We always win. And it never gets boring. Cale, does winning get boring? No. Winning never gets boring. Well, it's not how you... It's how you play the game. It's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. That's the individual that has never won the game. Amen. We play to win. In the natural, in this world, I mean, Isaac and Taylor whipped us the other day playing pinochle, and they're still smiling. We talked about it afterwards, how insensitive they are. Oh, here they are playing cards with a couple of old people and they all let them win. But did they let us win? No, they didn't let us win because they know the joy of the victory. We experience the sorrow of defeat. But it was fun, wasn't it, Pastor Dave? Yes, until they won. Hey, Amen. Hey, Amen. That's how, that's how it goes. But you know what? In the spiritual realm, we don't ever lose. We don't ever lose. There may be times it may look like defeat. But it ain't over yet. It's not over till it's over. Well, when's it over, Pastor Dave? When I quit sweating. Because I tell everybody, you know I'm still breathing because I'm still sweating. When you suck your last breath of air, you won't have to worry about it any longer because you've got the victory there. But everything in this, in this life, we continue to fight the good fight of faith until we see the manifestation that is the promise of God. And we don't settle. We don't settle. You hear me? We don't settle. We get the victory because that's what belongs to us. And then finally, Finally, Romans 4, 17, it says, As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Ninth strategy, ninth point, is to call things that are not as though they were. If you don't see the promise of God manifest in your life, begin to talk it. Begin to talk it. Begin to speak it out of your mouth. If sickness and disease or infirmity tries to hang on to your body, you declare what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says that by the stripes of Jesus, you've been healed. And therefore, because you're the healed of the Lord, the redeemed of the Lord, that sickness, that disease, that infirmity, it's got to leave. can continue to harass you. And the same thing is true of every other one of the promises that we have from God. Whether it's dealing with emotion, finances, health, anything. There's a promise that is appropriate that applies to every circumstance, to every situation that we deal with in life. And We've been given the victory through Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Isn't it wonderful that we can have confidence and trust in Him? To know that He will never let us down, that that His word does not change. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that means the victory is ours. Glory to God. And so, Father, we thank You for the victory. We thank You that Jesus is not only the author of our faith, but he's also the perfecter of our faith. And so we put our trust and our confidence in him, knowing that he will never, never let us down. And so, Father, through this week ahead and the days ahead, Father, constantly bring to our remembrance the promises that you've given us that we may apply them in every situation, every circumstance that we encounter. And Father, we won't take the credit, but we'll give you all the glory because it belongs to you. And Father, we know that you are glorified when your word is manifest in our lives. And so we want it to be to your glory. And we pray it, believe it, and thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And so as you go, go in his peace, his strength, his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. And don't forget to go out back and have lunch today. Be blessed.